0: India Charts, the truth about the markets. India Charts publishes Nifty Daily, daily video updates, the weekly Elliott Waite Outlook, and the long shot report covering all asset classes. Hi everyone, this is Rohit Shrivastav, founder and strategist at India Charts, bringing you my update on the Indian stock market, Nifty, and everything else in financial markets. The market has, of course, kept us on the edge of a knife. But this week, we had some conclusive changes and movements. For example, in the last two podcasts over the last two weeks, I had concerns about the slowing momentum in the Nifty itself. The Nifty did, of course, slow down. It's gathered up a few hundred points compared to what it did all of November. In November, it had a pretty fast rally in the first two weeks. But after that, it completely slowed down from 12,800 to 13,100, 200. It's have several zigzag movements up and down. And that's been a period to question whether this trend can likely continue or has it reached the end of the road for the time being or at least for a short term to a medium term correction. Now, while a short term correction was worth it, simply given the type of positioning that FIA has had compared to their previous holdings, or even in the last few days, we've seen nifty premiums actually explode to the upside. And in the short term, sometimes that can give you a short term bump up or bump down in the market. What we ended up getting is a bump up rather than a bump down. And so that's the takeaway at the end of the week because last week's candle pattern for those of you who understand it was something like a doji star. And a doji star means that prices closed almost close to where they had opened after doing some kind of an intra-week up and down move. And so we had two pivots, one the high of the week and the low of the week. And typically after this kind of a pattern which shows a loss of momentum, if you close above the high of the week, it's a sign that the trend is likely to continue. And if you close below the low of the week, which was 12,790, it would have been a signal that the trend was reversing to the downside. Now we didn't get the downward reversal, what we ended up getting at the end of the week is an upward continuation pattern. And that can sometimes mean that you'll probably likely continue on the way up to an equal sizable amount as you did prior to the pattern itself. So that leaves open room for maybe couple of weeks or into the year end for equity prices to continue to hold up. This despite a couple of indices actually showing extreme overbought readings. For example, the Midcap Index has an RSI of 82. The Metals Index also has an elevated RSI. Some of the metal stocks are almost showing 87-88 readings. But these readings can come off in a one-day knee-jerk reaction. I thought at least that much would have happened given the loss of momentum and Nifty. But neither has really followed. It might still happen. But what might follow is a continuation of the trend is what the weekly closing on the indices is showing us you know the rsi for example on weekly charts has actually crossed the 70 mark for both the nifty and bank nifty well that might appear high or overbought to some people it actually surpasses all the highs that we've made between jan uh, of last year and in fact all of 2019 at all the tops that we made between 2018 and 19 during those counter trend bounces you usually don't cross the 69 70 mark and that's what was happening now we've clearly gone past that mark and which means now we are in a completely different zone and this is a you know larger momentum cycle which can you know even take uh, the rsi to more elevated levels i mean 75 78 or who knows even 80 uh, on the at the weekly level now so if you have that much room for things to stretch uh, i think it's time to just give up uh, what uh, we were expecting and continue to ride the move higher now this thought process has of course raised a lot of questions. There are so many people out there who probably have both bullish and bearish opinions. It's sometimes I feel uh, after, you know, especially after what we've been through over the last eight to nine months, it's easier to get a lot of the bearish opinions out in the open. A lot of people were hoping or expecting this market to sell off and give you maybe a decent correction and I would have also liked that. But the fact is the market doesn't want to do uh, what probably a lot of people start hoping for. So it squeezes out both sides and uh, then raises the larger question, how do you really deal with this kind of a situation? So I had to write a strategy note to uh, the uh, followers and subscribers of India Charts and highlight a couple of points and specifically talk about position sizing, something that we in detail cover and teach in our uh, mentorship program. But it's also in- important to understand that as markets you know, gyrate from one end of the spectrum to the other and give you different signals you really need to give weightage to each of those signals and adjust your positions accordingly. So if you are an investor, for example, this up move is really not reverse trend. And as an investor, you would watch for much broader signals at a weekly or monthly degree before you even start making major exits unless an individual particular stock in your portfolio gives you a sign that uh, it's actually underperforming and you want to reduce weightages or uh, simply that it's not uh, doing what it should be doing and therefore it needs to go out. However, when it comes to trading, uh, the same has to be done in a much more narrower time frame. Position sizing in the near term means that you let the market tell you whether it's uh, whether you're on the right side of the trend or not. How do you do that? So the initial trade that you take is usually uh, say a 10, 15, 20% of what your uh, entire size would be uh, based on what kind of risk you're willing to take. Now, if you take a 10 to 15% uh, position trade, and the market goes against you, then the market by itself is telling you that uh, you're probably wrong and you need to change your position. That is essentially, I think, what we experienced over the last uh, week or two, where, uh, you know, between 12,800, 900, and you move up to 13,100, 200. That means that the market is you know showing you a loss if you're actually on the short side and a clear indication that you need to change that stance and move to the long side. But moment you do move to the other side, you have to do the same thing all over again. You know, start position sizing maybe into individual stocks or into an index depending on how you trade and then let the market tell you whether you're right or not uh, because moment your position starts making money and you're delivered a uh, positive uh, mark to market returns then that's the first signal that you're on the right side of the market and you can actually add to those positions now of course you can't do that standalone just by looking at uh, the gain or loss it should be done based on a handful of technical indicators you could take six to eight such indicators that you follow each of them uh, being a little different from each other they shouldn't all be uh, price based momentum because then they would be giving you the same signals at the same time Uh, there should be different tools that you use in different ways Uh, you know it could even be including trend lines or it could include a combination of time frames and then you have weightages to them which tell you what size of position you should really have so i think that's been something that i've written about there are some free articles in the educate me section of the website that you could read on this and i've done a video on it also on youtube and uh, we do discuss it in more depth uh, in our programs as well because it's an important part of ensuring that whenever you do a trade you minimize the losses and position sizing is useful in doing that when a trade goes wrong uh, you actually should end up losing less and when a trade becomes favorable You actually add to it in the direction of the trend so what that ends up doing is that your price average which means your average buying price ends up being higher than uh, where you would have started if you buy in the direction of a trend right so if you buy on the way up your average is below price and gives you some room to maneuver and exit uh, at a reduced loss than you would if you are buying a dip and the loss keeps getting bigger and bigger that's one approach the second way uh, i mean for example when you reach points like you had reached at seven thousand five hundred uh, and many people have continued to stick on to the idea that we need to go back to 6,000. Now at the time the crash was happening, that was uh, also a number that I was looking at because for almost the last couple of years, I've written about the market going back to 6,500, 6,800 or 6,200. And when it came to 7,500, for those of you still remember March of 2020, the Nifty was actually moving 500 to 700 to 800 points a day, which means between 7,500 7,500 And 6,200, it could have just taken two to three or five days of further declines and a few bounces, and there you would have been. So, at that speed, you are getting so close to that number. uh, I clearly knew that there's no way that you can exactly catch that date and that level. Uh, And the best thing to do was uh, build a strategy where uh, you know how much you're going to lose between, say, 7,500 and 6,000, and uh, start probably uh, buying into that move move lower. Now, of course. I'm saying by the dip, which is very different from what I was talking in position size. Uh, But of course, when you do that, you always start with a minimum position, which means 10, 15, 20% of the trade. And uh, I planned out a strategy that you'd buy uh, and the first entry being closer to maybe 77, 7,800. And then the market really didn't give you a second chance to enter. Uh, because it really didn't fall below 7500 so at 75 you could have added more and then it should have gone to 7000 then 6500 maybe every 500 points down you could have added but the market started to rebound and give you gains now the flip side to this is that moment you take a trade and the trade starts showing you a profit by that nature the market is telling you that the trend has turned to the upside and that's the right side of the market to be on and that's what ended up being the case. It moved from seventy-five to you know eight thousand something. Uh, we sold uh, some over there. Then it dipped back to seventy-eight hundred, making a higher low than seventy-five hundred, and then it rallied from there towards the nine thousand mark. And at each of and as this continued and as those uh, you know uh, trades started to deliver, it became very clear, along with of course the basic Dow theory, higher high, higher low setup, that uh, we were on the right side. Now this is of course the trade way of doing it. Now if you're an investor you would do something very similar with just a broader time horizon for example when you were down there one of the sectors and this is already published on the site so it's not something i'm throwing out of the blue that was at the bottom end of its five year channel was the pharma sector so the moment it reached there the first the first investments i probably made uh, in in march was actually in the pharma stocks because everything else was falling apart and this sector had already been in a two year bear market and so actually looked like a safer bet to take uh, within uh, the segment now, fortunately, it's, it became one of the best performing sectors for the one, two month period at that point. Of course, now recently it has been consolidating for a while. And I have been saying in my media interviews that probably with rotation out of everything that has already moved, you'll come back to the pharma sector again. So that's something I'm uh, anticipating over the next couple of weeks. And I've actually raised weightages over there. Uh, but uh, my point going back to March is that moment we did that and the, uh, you know, owning some pharma stocks actually paid off. And that's again the first sign that you need to now expand your holdings in the market and that's what we continue to do by looking at all the value wave investments which is my uh, investment model stocks and as you kept adding as the market continued to move in your favor you end up building a portfolio so that's how uh, you do it uh, whether it's long-term investing you do it over a period of time and if it's uh, near-term trades which you have to build in a much more shorter collapse period of time using a handful of technical indicators Position sizing into a portfolio is one of the best ways that you minimize losses because you don't put all your capital at risk. At the same time, managing even leverage trades becomes easier and uh, you lose much less uh, when the market goes against you because your average price is always below the market current running price. So you've already understood by now that in general, uh, I am again looking at the bullish side of the market. Uh, the investment themes have really not changed. That was always there. It's the trade side that really worried me because of the way the market positioning was. Some of those positioning still remain. So therefore, you need to be on your toes. But if the market is signaling that it wants to go higher, you simply have to back off and wait for those signals to continue to uh, develop and maybe even sometimes give you negative divergences. So it's one thing to get a high put call ratio. It's another thing to wait for a negative divergence in the put-call ratio. Same thing also happens in things like advanced decline ratios. Many of these sentiment indicators that we watch, they sometimes reach an extreme, but the market doesn't peak out. And if it doesn't, uh, then you probably have to look for uh, negative divergences. In a bear market, it happens much faster because bear markets occur in fear, you know, and so prices fall. Uh, very sharply bad news comes in, creates a spike and more or less everything tends to bottom out together but the same and so sentiment also reaches an extreme at the same time but that's not what always happens on the way up for example i looked at a long dated chart of even the us volume put call ratio okay and uh, every time and those readings are at records okay so they are all-time records but when you look back at history uh, there are many times where you've had spikes to near record levels Some of these spikes were followed by corrections, if not major bear markets. But some of those spikes were also followed by a continued rally and negative divergences before you got the final high. So both situations tend to exist. Uh, But every time you reach an extreme reading, we always, you know, raise a red flag that yes, we've reached a point where something can go wrong. And those red flags are important because uh, you can at least adjust your positions and manage risk better. You know, if you need to rotate, you need to rotate. Or if you need to just cut down your entire level of holding because you may have leveraged up too much and you can actually bring it down to a more manageable level. Uh, but you continue to at least ride the trend. That's one thing you can do. If you have the speed of being able to exit and re-enter an, an entire trade, now that's something which comes with a lot of uh, practice uh, because it's also got a behavioral side to it. Uh, some people when they close out a trade, risk, simply can't enter it at a higher level. Uh, it's a human difficulty. Uh, one way of dealing with it is to shift nature so if you're doing an index you start doing stocks and that's one way of finding solace but at the same time you don't want to not go into the best performing areas of the market and so sometimes you just have to get out and re-enter so that requires some kind of mental uh, setup if you're not able to do it then you need to build that setup to do it or sometimes even force your hand. Uh, But uh, uh, if you can't do that, then you do position sizing where you reduce your exposure and increase your exposure, which is also easier to do. You know, so if you don't go all out, uh, because when you go all out, getting back in is usually difficult. But if you do a partial exit and you have to then re-enter, it's much more easier because you have a core holding at a lower level in the market. And then adding back to it at a higher level is not so difficult because again, same logic, your average will be below where the market price is. So these are combination of different strategies to think about how you really manage uh, your positions. Each one, of course, does it differently based on his mental setup. And once you know how your mind works, you can best design a strategy uh, around uh, a lot of these thoughts that works for you. Uh, And that will then ensure that, you know, you not only participate in every move, but you're also able to manage risk exit when you need to reenter, add to a position, cut a position with minimal risk. I also wrote a very detailed note on the divergence that we are seeing uh, in the currency market and equity markets. And this is important with reference to uh, the RBI policy which happened on Friday. It was a pretty surprise because I was really wondering would they start cutting rates now early or will they really wait till the end of the month to let the agro uh, data really come in. Because from the start of the year they've been talking about you know cutting rates and after they did it a few times they've held back for the last several meetings. And it looked like they probably want to do it in the second half of the year when inflation data cools off. But you are really not seeing inflation data cool off. That continues to be elevated. But they seem committed to keeping rates down and to continuing stimulating the economy. Now, if that's what the case is, then it also means that they are going to keep real interest rates negative for a prolonged period of time. Which is the environment that we are in right now. It's a very rare one. We've been here before. Uh, but not for uh, you know such a long time and at such a wide probably level uh, than ever before and this is not just in india you have re- negative real interest rates now around the world the us is also doing the same policy so even though our interest rates may be higher but so is our inflation and similarly uh, the but real rates are actually coming closer and closer i mean they are all negative everywhere so this is the policy everyone's using to provide liquidity to markets and keep uh, you know keep financial markets elevated or provide you know keep them calm uh, from being too volatile given that the economic slowdown from the pandemic has been significant and continues to affect certain sectors uh, even though many others may have tried to somewhat normalize. So this policy of uh, you know easy money continues as we also continue to look for other stimulants especially those that come from fiscal expenditure. The US of course plans to do that uh, with the new president in place uh, sometime probably in Jan and Feb hopefully they'll agree to something and you'll have uh, stimulus whether it's two trillion three trillion we all waiting to know the final number and that is probably what the dollar market is front running and the dollar index continues to fall even though in between I gave up on the fall and was hoping for a bounce uh, given the extreme positioning but uh, that did not happen and so the trend continues to hold we are at a final cutoff level where you can still say uh, that you know uh, there's a case for a bounce after that. Uh, it will look like you know any bounce is only going to be small but that said uh that kind of stimulus uh, you know even in India I think we've tried to do a bit we've more or less used up what we could do for this year but we will by end of January be hitting our own budget uh, and when you get there once again I think markets are going to be looking for uh, additional measures that the government can take uh, from its budget for next year you know at the same time uh, what RBI will want to do is to You know provide liquidity not just uh, to the markets but to the government itself that's the other big purpose right that if the government is spending more then it needs to be able to borrow that money at lower and lower interest rates and so the rbi desperately needs to keep rates down and uh, in doing so provide support uh, for financing uh, to the government Uh, the positive rub off is that it also means your cost of loans for all kinds of consumer uh, borrowings also eventually come down if rates are held on for a prolonged period of time, and that then provides uh, the demand stimulus that the economy needs on the other side. However, what this all means for the currency is that uh, currency markets, uh, the USD-INR, has held its own against what has been a falling dollar environment, uh, uh, pretty much. You know, so I would have thought that the usd by now would have reached 70 because the Nifty was actually heading. Uh, higher and higher so when I projected 12,800 last month I also thought the USDNR will be down to at least 71 or 70 somewhere there but instead it simply formed a base at 73, 72 half and kept bouncing back once twice and now a third time it's coming back to test those support levels and what the RBI just did is essentially looking like it wants to keep that uh, you know uh, keep the rupee weak uh, and that's why it's providing these this negative real interest rates which is pro-inflationary actually Uh, you know uh, bearish for the INR so it's going to be tricky Uh, so I'm sort of you know started to back off on the thought whether the INR would actually keep strengthening with the dollar itself or at some point of time starts to go up with equity prices that's something that we very rarely see and we saw it only once I think uh, around a year back uh, when the uh, you know markets were going up uh, more than a year back they were going up Uh, this was I think in the period uh, prior to uh, the uh, uh, elections that took place in 2019 and uh, at that time uh, the currency and equities both uh, you know went up together uh, till the point where eventually uh, the uh, you know currency made when it reached its last leg of advance only then equities went into a correction so that is the first time in a long period where I saw uh, you know almost a near uh, positive correlation between nifty and USDNR for a short period of time and uh, so can something like that again repeat i have mean, thought about it many times in the last year it's never happened again uh, but once again looking at the situation and looking at our stance on rates uh, i'm really wondering and because the rbi has been stepping in and you know taking in all that liquidity because we've had one of the best months on fii flows and still the usdnr is not strength uh, you know not strengthening uh, that is the rupee is not strengthening usdnr is uh, really not coming down so that i think has uh, set up a stage where if equities continue to rise uh, and if usd and r holds this baseline you'll probably have both of them going up together so that's something to really watch out for and was one of the thoughts that i got right after you know listening to uh, the uh, rbi policy this time around so that's the world we are in everybody's stimulating liquidity is uh, awash and uh, even though uh, it may take some time for earnings to go back to the levels where they were pre pandemic uh we have got you know base effects coming in from january onwards so of course numbers will continue to look good if you simply driven by month on month or year on year numbers but uh if you are really looking at going back to elevated levels of growth that's going to of course take time and the markets therefore if they keep running up they're going to be running up because of all these uh, stimulative factors that are around and so that's the only logical explanation and the best way to write this kind of a A uh, liquidity-driven market is using a combination of Elliott Waves and Momentum, which is what we actively do and uh, which is what I continuously write about in all my posts. So that's all uh, for this update uh, on Sunday, uh, the 6th of December. uh, And I'll see you next time. Thank you. Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.